Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey, along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And you know what? Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so we wanted to do a show about love. Yes, not the kind of love did. you're thinking about, no, though. We're not going to talk about romantic love, because I was thinking, let's just do something on Valentine's Day, but I didn't want to do like a holiday show right. on Valentine's Day. So I thought, you know, whenever anybody asks me that stupid question, you know, you get those icebreaker questions or you know who would you sit down with alive or dead uh-huh. that you could talk to whatever my answer is always the same and that's mother Teresa. i think she was the greatest inspiration of love and being a good person and really living her truth and anyone that i've ever known of but i mean i can see that you know because we're not talking about that romantic love we're talking about kind of that genuine love right right and when we say love we're always referring to being compassionate being empathetic being just a good person into the world that uh, you give what you need and you accept people for who they are, that sort of thing. And definitely Mother Teresa fits that bill. So today, I want to take a look at her life and the words of love that she used that she shared with the world. So I thought that would be a great Valentine's show for people yeah. who have uh, somebody like Mr. Mr. over there who's been married for 21 years <laughs> or somebody who doesn't. Right. Um, um, my friend Margaret Owens says that Valentine's Day is Single Awareness Day. Single Awareness <laughs> is the whole thing on that. But so I thought Mother Teresa was a good pick of looking at the words that she said. She wrote a book of words to love by and looking at some of the sayings and talking about those things of even with our partners, even with our friends, people we don't know, strangers on the street, how can we going into tomorrow, Valentine's Day, be more loving and kind to people? And how can we do that with ourselves? Because I think it's, easier to, it's easy to be easier for me anyway to be kind and loving to other people than it is for me to be kind and loving to myself. So a lot of these are about being kind and loving to yourself. Too. Because I guess if you are kind and loving to yourself, you'll be much kinder and loving to, to other, other people. people. So. I think that's true. So let's get started on this here because I, I don't, I'll be honest. I don't know a lot about Mother Teresa. Can you kind of give us some insight on her? Well, she, like Gandhi, was born into middle and upper class wealth, and they both turned their back on wealth and lived in poverty. She was born in Minnesota in, in 1910, and she joined the Laredo Nun Order in Ireland in 1928. And within a year, she was sent to India as a high school teacher. And she taught as a high school teacher for more than 20 years. I did not know that. I was going to say, I, <laughs> I bet that, that would be shocking to, not shocking, but I guess surprising right. to people. I didn't know that. So so then how did she propel from high school teacher to what we know of today? Today. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, in 1946, she was walking home and she saw something moving in an open drain in the street. Kind of one of those drainage ditches. Mm-hmm. And it was a dying man. She took him to a home where he could die in what she said in love and peace. When she was helping him, he he said, I live like an animal in the streets, and now I'm going to be able to die like an angel. And that really propelled her to, I need to do something else. I need to do something more. She was quoted as saying about this individual, how wonderful to see a person die in love with a perfect piece of Christ in his face, Mm -hmm. rather than dying in the street gutter. Right, alone. Alone. And so this really, that moment, that man really changed her destiny, if you will. Led her to a new calling that she formed her own order mm-hmm. that the Catholic Church then um, backed up that's now in 52 different countries. An Did order not know here. That we have an order here, here in Indianapolis. You, you know them because they are light blue and white in their habits, and they do, in fact, all wear their habits. They wear them all the time. 
But she really wanted to go out and give up everything and follow what she said, you know, Christ into the street, into the slums, and to serve among the poorest of the poor. She felt that was her calling. And so she stopped teaching. She started this new order, and that's where she devoted her time. And throughout her ministry, she addressed basically every type of suffering you could imagine, providing shelter and providing homes for orphans, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, running family planning clinics. Uh, she did mobile dispensaries. And I think she's kind of most known for caring for thousands and thousands of lepers. I got to tell you, and that, that, did she really quit teaching? Because obviously this is this is a lot of teaching going on here. Huh? Right. Well, and it's, <laughs> we're going to get into some quotes about what she she felt that the poor and the, the and people that were living in poverty, they were the actual teachers to oh. all of us, which was pretty fascinating. And she lived where she believed, right? She went barefoot most of the time. She slept on the floor of an open dormitory. She ate very little used only cold water from a pump, and she only owned two habits. Uh, She washed her own outfits and washed her own dishes when she ate. This woman that could have anything, one of the most powerful, recognizable women in history, uh, slept on the floor in an open dormitory with everybody else. That's Mm. incredible. I was going to say, I mean, that, that says a lot about her character. Yeah, she was known for being frugal. She actually turned out the lights during masses saying that no money that is given to the poor should be used for our electricity. We will only use what we absolutely need. She was very conscious of everything that she did, and she was very conscious of being completely focused on her mission was to provide for the poor. Amazing. She spoke around the world. She refused to take money for any of those speaking engagements. Can you believe that? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, I mean, I thought that she would still get paid the hundred thousand dollars or whatever that she probably she probably get five hundred thousand dollars for speaking engagement really right no she she refused to take any money for those speaking engagements but when people would ask what can we do she would always respond just begin one one and one begin at home by saying something good to your child to your husband or your wife begin by helping someone in need and in your community at work or at home begin by making whatever you do something beautiful for god that was her standard response. Now, Good these response. organizations that she did do public speaking, they they generally raised money and gave it gave to the it order. To yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> but she never took any money, and she for never her own so, for her own personal, and she never solicited any money for her order. But she did allow those organizations to collect money. But if they hadn't, well, it that's didn't, what, it didn't yeah. interfere with that at Th- all. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> her belief system was that that dying man in the gutter was Jesus in distressing disguise. And so she would say, whatever you meet, Jesus, smile at him. She thought we use too many words that we just need to simply let people know what we believe by what we do. I I think those are strong words because you can't go wrong with what people can see, you know? Right. And she was a great example of that, of be the example in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to go preach it. She'll flip the lights out on you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There's that's funny. She's considered one of the most admired people in history. She was awarded the Jewel of India, which is the highest honor of Indian civilians She re- in the Soviet Union. She re- received the Soviet Union's gold medal, and that was during the time when it was communist, which is kind of interesting. That is kind of interesting. She received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979, and I have an interesting story about that. When she came to the United States to receive her medallion or her peace prize, uh-huh. um, they had a big formal dinner of which she came to attend, and they were serving bottled water. And she got so upset at this. She said that she could feed thousands of people on the amount of 
waste that they were using using bottled water, and she got up and left and did not eat at her Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> dinner. I guess that's a good indication of asking the person that you're going to be honoring what they'd like to see at their well, reception. Well, or doing a little bit of research and saying, this probably isn't a good idea. Right, you know, right. We probably want to just not waste because she's going to call us on it. And she was a big one on calling you on stuff. Hmm. It didn't matter if you were person just working for her or you were the Pope. She didn't care. She was She was going to call out what she didn't believe to be right and wasteful. She's considered one of the greatest humanitarians of the 20th century. Uh, she died September 1997, and she was canonized and became a St. Teresa on September 4th of 2016. Well, and I got to tell you, there's probably, and we're talking about the younger generation here, probably mm-hmm. uh, was born after, Yeah, you know, uh, she she passed away. But, but I, for that's, that they still know who she is. But they still know who yeah. she is. And, you know, we actually kind of got the honor of seeing her. I mean, it, on TV, right. uh, doing incredible, extraordinary things. And... As far as my understanding of her, she has always been that patron uh, image of somebody that cares. Right. You know, and I, I think that all these things that are said about her are absolutely 100% true, at least in my image of her. There's a, there's a whole thing out there that came out, a whole book, and I think a movie actually that came out that talked about those years that she doubted. And we're going to give a quote here in a bit of a day that she felt that she didn't have any faith. Because we, if Mother Teresa can go through days that she doesn't feel like she has the faith to move on and the faith to get through the day, it really makes it okay for me to know that I'm struggling because I'm no mother of St. Teresa. That's and right. If I'm having that much trouble, um, that makes me normal. Absolutely. And it makes it that it's okay and that tomorrow is going to be a better day. So what I wanted to do is kind of look at some of her most popular and most powerful sayings or quotes that she gave and talk about them, what they mean to us. And again, going into Valentine's Day and moving into a whole new year of um, trying to be loving and kind and and appreciative and grateful. How can we do that? And we can, anybody can use these quotes. You can post them up and use them as a symbol for snapping you back into Um, humility and being a person as an example rather than expecting other people to to do that. I think it's absolutely true. I mean, think about what you can accomplish by being a better you. So Right. That's yeah, a, yeah that's great. What you can accomplish by being a better you. Anything. Anything. That's true. Anything I say. <laughs> and that's what we're going to use these words that Mother Teresa spoke to help you along your way. Right. Cuz they some of these are ones that I actually have around my house that I see on a somewhat regular basis. Yeah. And some I mean, were new to me, but some some you, you've heard all the time. Yes. The first, let's start out with uh, what I think is one of the biggest and most important, is we're supposed to preach without preaching, not by words, but by our example, by our actions. All works of love are works of peace. Yes. yes. I, I fully agree with that. <laughs> that smiling to a stranger on the street is free. Mm-hmm. And it can be priceless. Well, it can change their whole outlook on that day. You know, I mean, think about that. It, your actions can give somebody a lift in their life. I mean, it... it and we think we can't make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> but that's the truth, right? Even on our bad days, somebody holding the elevator, somebody asking, or a, a text message from somebody that just randomly comes in, or we think it's random, right? Some right. random text message that 
change the whole outlook outlook on our day that we're having just a terrible day and somebody we haven't heard from in a month sends us something that is like oh yeah or yeah. somebody simply asking say you know how's everything going today authentically and, and authentically it. yeah right it, now you don't have not, to unload on them but <laughs> you know but well now if you're that person that when you get that question asked you start okay you shouldn't do that you know sucking in all that air to- <laughs> right <laughs> But I think, too, that, you know, your example is far more important than your words. Absolutely. I think we believe that. I think I put far more stock in somebody's actions than I do in their words. And not to say that you can't always step up. You know, sometimes you fall short. The The point is, is that you keep trying, exactly. you know. So, yeah, definitely. Actions speak louder than words every time. The next one I think is big, too. And uh, I think this is kind of hard for me sometimes because I can be a little bit judgmental. <laughs> and I think that's hard for everybody. I don't think that's just you. Except for me. I'm practically You're perfect. Practically you perfect. Know? There you go. Mary Poppins <laughs> over there. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. Ooh. Yes. That's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, we're people, and, and I know I'm sitting here saying, yeah. And yet then I'm judgmental and critical at times. And sure. That's, that's not loving. No. And that's not helpful. We did a whole show on criticism as communication. It's not helpful. Yeah, because I and she she makes an excellent point here by saying that you if you're judging somebody, you have no time to love them. I think that takes the place of the that saying is like don't judge people unless you, you want to be judged. Right. People in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Right. Yeah. But if you think about it, if you reverse it or change your paradigm of thinking a little bit, yeah, you don't have time to love them if you're too busy judging them. Right. Right. You can't. This, I don't think you can do both things yeah, at the same can't, time. You cannot. Kind of like you can't be hopeless and be in gratitude at the same time. Absolutely. Think yep. about that, folks. I think that... <laughs> so I mean, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. And again, we're saying love being compassionate, understanding, empathetic, uh, right. a beacon in the world. Um, yeah, because it's real easy, I think, for people to look at that person that's standing on the street corner asking for a dollar and criticizing their life and when we go well yeah but you haven't walked a mile in their shoes well that's true probably you never will but the thing of it is you don't have to walk a mile in their shoes right. you just have to not judge them where right. they're yeah, at you right don't now. have to give them a dollar you don't have but to do still, anything right you, know? you can not judge them and still not give them money right you know and right. so so i think that that that's a great a great great quote a lot of times i give them a dollar just because i'm grateful that I don't ever want that to be my life. Right. I don't care if you're making $40,000 standing out there in five below zero. I don't want to stand out there in five below zero. Period. Right. But I guess he's saying, if, or if you're judging them, you don't have time to love them. You don't have time to be compassionate. So, right. absolutely. Well, and I guess that goes into one of her next things. Not all of us do great things, but we all can do small things with great love. Yes. I think so. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, you know, one of those things that you don't have to be spectacular. You don't have to be exceptional. Right. You just have to be good at what you're good at. Right. What God made you good at. Well, and I think that that's where we all fall short. If yeah. we're not in a state of grandeur, we're not doing great things. Right. But if we, like you said, if we all have, we do our small part collectively, we can do extraordinary things right you can only is you know the first quote that we gave or you know you only do one thing at a time Mm -hmm. one person at a time and then one and one and one and one and one it's like these hikes that i do people say how in the world do you go out and walk 400 miles i don't i go out and i walk a mile at a time right you know it's the same with this you can you change the world no we're not here to change the world but we can change our world we can change one piece at a time 
one person at a time by being an example and being loving and not judging them, but loving them and helping them and smiling at them. And you're not going to go buy them a lottery ticket. Right. Right. We're going to smile at them to get them through to the next moment because that's all that's ours to do. Yes. And that's and I guess that's another thing that we can bring up, because when you're in that state of gratitude, think about those people that do this stuff passionately for free and they're spending 12 hours at a dog center or at at, at an adoption center just trying to help somebody. Food pantry is a great example. So tough jobs to to do for for as a volunteer, I mean, in any capacity. And they're not doing a great thing individually. They're doing great things collectively. collectively. Exactly. That She should have said that. That was a great quote. <laughs> kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the ripple in the pond, right? You be yeah. nice and kind and loving to somebody and smile at them, ask them their name, hold the elevator, do any of those gestures that are free. And your ripple, you have no idea. Right. Because think about going. it this way. When you're mean, nasty, see how infectious that gets in your workplace real fast. Well, was the Sweden did a survey that said that if you're smiling at someone, that it's almost impossible for them not to smile back at you physiologically. Yeah, I can say that. Which so, gets yeah, us to the next you. one. This is peace begin with a smile. Every time you smile at someone, it's an action of love, a gift to that person, a thing of beauty. Mm. Yes, it's free. That's poetic too. <laughs> <laughs> Smiling is so huge. Yeah. I mean, it just really is. Well, and I don't think that most people get the whole point that when you do smile, people don't really come at you really hard. You know, I mean, I remember I, I trained myself to smile more. People don't generally come at me when they're like, you know, I, oh, you're smiling at me. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. The Swedes did a whole thing on that and said that, that it's almost impossible yeah, so to do definitely. that. The next quote is one that she actually came up with that was specifically Western. And it was the most terrible poverty is of loneliness and a feeling of being unloved. Uh, yeah, because I got to tell you, that's one of the things that most people I don't think get. When people feel lonely or they feel unloved, they're just not the kind of person that genuinely people are around because they just, they, they exude it. And I just, I think that if we can try to chip away at those kinds of barriers that those folks have, man. And it's one smile at a time. Yeah. And it's that simple. It doesn't cost you anything. Right. I mean, they may be very suspicious in the beginning or, you know, why is he smiling at me? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's his perception. You go about your business and do what yours to do and you don't need to worry about any of the rest of that. But let's, I mean, let's talk about loneliness just for a second. You know, this is something that plagues many, many people. And we all can say that we've been there, feeling isolated, feeling lonely. I think that if we can be that person that can help that person out of it, maybe that's where we need to be. Again, you're not doing a great thing, but you're doing something great. Right, exactly. When they asked her another one, she was asked, what can we do to promote world peace? And her answer was, go home and love your family. I, yeah. Because it starts there. St- yeah. If you can't be nice to the people that you live with, <laughs> you're not authentically going to be able to be nice to that person that irritates you at work. Right. And, you know, going home, loving your family, they will go out and love other people. It will be an infectious disease that just will spread like wildfire. Especially the example that you set out to your kids. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that that's one of those things. If you are a good example to your kids, they will be good people later on in life. Exactly. 
I guess another one that we can kind of talk about that she did say, it's not how much we give, but how much love we put into giving. Yes, because it's always about you. It's yeah. never about them. It's right. always about you. And it's always about you coming from a, the right kind of place. Right. And when we're talking about giving, we're talking about every spectrum of giving. You know, it's not just about money. But remember right. this. $2 may not seem like a lot of money. If you can give that, give that. Because $2 times a million people right. is a lot different. That's exactly right. It's about where you're coming from. Right. And if you, it, so whatever you can give, you should give. And put a lot of love into it because you're giving it. <laughs> right, which goes to the next one. She was quoted as saying, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. Yes. because said that. That's exactly the, that's what we believe. That's what we, mm-hmm. we talk about all the time. Yeah. I mean, and that goes back to going home and loving your family, you know, putting in a lot of love and the things that you give. I mean, these Being are Being nice all- to those people that are hard to be nice to. And by when we even say that, we're not saying that you got to go over there and ask them to dinner or, you know, (laughs) bring them over to a party. But, you know, not being mean to them is being nice, too. Right. And you can exit a situation of somebody being cruel or not not nice to you in a nice way. You don't have to say, oh, you know, one thing worse to them as you walk away. That's not helpful. And I got to tell you, this next one, I, I want people to think about that. So one of the quotes that she says, the hunger for love is more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread. Yeah, especially in the West. Those were a lot of those sayings that she said, and those were of the West. Well, because we here in the West, we, we, we hold our love back. We, we are not loving and compassionate to people and giving to people as they are in the East. Right. And I think that when we're talking about that, at least in my opinion, is that we're talking about caring. We're talking about being there. So when you say, you know, the hunger for love, if we're giving, then the hunger for bread would not be a problem, would it? No, that's true. Well, and it's just honoring people right where they are, Mm -hmm. right? Accepting them, whether they're the person asking for a dollar or they're somebody who has a million dollars. Right. And I just think that giving of yourself is much, much easier when you don't put strings attached to it. Well, I think it's not real if you put strings attached to it. Oh, that's true. Well, the other one relates to work, right? And she says that work without love is slavery. Yes. (laughs) In any capacity. Yeah. I mean, think about every job that you ever had that you hated. You know, it felt like slavery, didn't it? You know? And again, that goes back to the one that kills me is that when you see people giving of themselves, they'll put 20 hours and feel energized afterwards. You know? I mean, that's the thing that amazes me. As opposed to an eight-hour day and you have nothing left. you're drained. You just want to go home and veg out because you can't can't take take it it. anymore. And then you got to get up tomorrow and start it all over again. Yeah. We've both had jobs like (laughs) that oh absolutely it was slavery (laughs) it was so yeah it and i get it talking about doing something that you love sometimes that's not always feasible you know but doing something that you're passionate about you can absolutely do do that because you know we were talking with tim and a lot of times he directs and does these plays totally free of charge but it's what energizes him. It's what it's his passion. Right. So, Most actors don't get paid. Exactly. Right. So, because they're doing it because it's what they love to do. So that that's what energizes him. So you can follow your passion. You, you just have to follow what you want to follow. So another one that she talks about is, so never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest to you. 
Make yeah. it easy. <laughs> yeah, that's holding the elevator. That's letting the person with one item go through being in front of you in line at the grocery store. It's Be not getting courteous. freaked out because the person just cut you off because right. you don't know their story. And you right. don't, I don't care about their story. Right. You know, it's like, why are you going to let somebody that you don't even know control your the outcome of your day? That is the, I get it. You know, it's easy to fall into that trap. But, you know, if we're going to help the person nearest to us, what we're saying is a smile, hold the elevator, talk, whatever. And this is both literal and figuratively, yeah. right? I mean... You know, always start with your family, right? Mm-hmm. Even, if, even if they're not literally, figuratively right there with you, always start with being loving and kind to your family and then go out from there. And then literally the person nearest to you, the right. person beside you in line, the, again, your coworker that's sitting next to you having a terrible day. You know, what can you do to help make their day a little bit better? Right. And it's really not that hard. Well, you know, it, it isn't. Because and I think, I think that- it's one of those things that some of these things is, you know, it's not that hard, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. Well, and we talk about that all the time. Yeah. It, it's easier said than done, but it just takes a little time each time and to get in the practice of doing it over and over until it just becomes second nature. So, yeah, to work out that. Start with the person nearest to you. Again, if this is tough, and this is tough for a lot of people, literally do that. <laughs> literally yeah. start with the person literally right next to you. Yeah. Whether that, again, it doesn't matter where it's at, at work, at home. Do something nice for somebody. Say a nice word. Smile yeah. at them. Introduce you know? yourself. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's amazing how many times I can get into a conversation with somebody just by introducing myself. So, yeah, start with that. It's, you know, another thing she said is being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten by everyone. I think that is a much greater hunger, a much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. And I think so, too. I mean, I will say I relate this to children that orphan children or things mm. of that nature that, that that were just unloved, that they were just tossed aside. And you know what happens? Well, I with think those? there's a lot of kids that aren't orphans that are unloved. Right. But those, <laughs> and absolutely, you know, and I think that if we can go back to our family and start there, love them, be there for them, because quite honestly, let's be frank, that's your job. When you get up in the morning, your job is to love your family, to provide for them, to be there as much as you can be for them. This is not a part-time thing. This is not, well, you know, I felt trapped. It doesn't matter. This is where you're at. So start there. Be kind. Be good to your family. Well, it was interesting. I did read a story. She was picked up one time in limousine going to the Vatican, and she was in the back of this limousine driving from the airport in Rome, which is kind of outside the city limits. And she actually got into Vatican City and she saw homeless people on the side of the road in Vatican City. And this really upset her. So when she actually got in front of the Pope, and I think this was Pope John Paul, she said, you know, I had a problem with this. We are the greatest city, I mean, the smallest, but the greatest city in the world. Like Vatican the City is, is, the, yeah, is its own little city. And you, well, there's homeless people out on the street. How is that possible? You know, in India, it's one thing, but how is it possible that right outside of here where we have everything, you have homeless people? And she was very, very, very upset about this and started this whole movement of getting people in Rome and the Vatican City and Rome in general of dealing with the homeless population. Really? And yeah, it was because she was just very disturbed that you should, we should never have this, ever have this in Vatican City, ever. Again, back to the, you know, your responsibility. This is a responsibility of us, the responsibility of the church, responsibility of these are, these are Jesus in disguise. 
was her, you know, her whole thinking was the poor, the poverty, were Jesus in disguise. How would you treat Jesus? You wouldn't leave him on the street. So right. there's no way we can leave this person on the street. That's how she looked at, at everyone. Could you imagine that conversation with the Pope? I was going to say, that, was a, that, that probably me. was a... Uh... I'd exit that room. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a true story of um, one of her visits to Vatican. Well, and I guess that kind of goes into that whole thing when we talk about people. Because I think this next quote that she said is very much true. People are unrealistic, illogical, self-centered, but you got to love them anyways. Because I think that this is what's really hard when we think about people, is that that's what I think. Oh, it's just going to be unreasonable. I just don't even want to deal with them. You know, I did. that doesn't mean that you can't say a kind word to them. It doesn't right. mean that you can't say, hey, you know, we don't see eye to eye, but that's cool. We can just leave it at that. You know, you don't have to get into it with them or anything like that. And illogical. Most people are when they're emotional. Right. You know, so, and self-centered. Oh, Welcome you, to the West. That's Welcome right. To you betcha. <laughs> that's, that's our I mean, uh, go to staple. any, uh, I don't care, retail center that you want to on a Sunday, <laughs> and you will find the most self-centered people in the world there. So. <laughs> but, but I think it does give you permission to say, okay, just because they're unrealistic and illogical or whatever, give myself permission to accept that. Yeah. Because society, our society does not give us permission to accept that. Our society says that we need to judge them, we need to condemn them, we need to criticize them, we need to stand over them because we're better than they are, and everything in her being is, that is not true, and you love them anyway. Right, and when we say love, again, I'm cool with whatever it is that you're doing, I'll just move on to the side here. Right, because again, you can't love them if you're judging them. (laughs) That's true. Yes, uh, that, 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 that is a good, good, good quote. When she, Again, she was here in the States, and this was directly towards the United States. It says, in the West, we have a tendency to be profit-oriented, where everything is measured according to the results, and we get caught up in being more and more active to generate results. In the East, I find that people are more content to just be, to just sit under the banyan tree for half a day chatting to each other. We Westerners would probably call this wasting time. Yes, we would. <laughs> we would, yes. <laughs> but I there is value in it. Being with someone, listening with a, without a clock, and without anticipation of results teaches us about love. The success of love is in the loving. It is not in the result of loving. Hmm. Yes. That's a Again, good The quote. success of love is in the loving. It is not in the result of loving. That old Mother Teresa knew some things, didn't she? <laughs> but that's it is really hard for it us is. because we are taught to compare and compete and power and position and how much money we have and we're better than somebody if we're smarter than they are, if we're taller than they are, if we're skinnier than they are, if we're prettier than they are, if we have more stuff. All of those things makes us better than somebody else. Well, and think about pretty much every conversation you have with somebody that you just met. I mean, within the first... Four or five sentences, you're asking what they do. Right. Yeah, you know, where they live, things of that nature. Right. So. If you're in the East, you ask what their name is, their last name, not their first name, because they're not their first name. They are not their individual. They are their collective family. So, yeah, in the East, it's more about a lot of places, though, what class you were in. That is true. Sure. But it's really what family you come from and what your family represents. Um, and you're part of that, as opposed to us that are very individual. We go by our first name, mm-hmm. and we go by our job, which then leads to how much money do you make? You know, right. it gives us perception of all these things. How much things. knowledge we have, how right. much, you know, everything <laughs> is compared and contrast. You know, I mean, it, it, I, I fully agree with this. But 
when you do take the time to really get to know somebody, you just sit around, you talk, you just have a, a conversation about nothing. Maybe something that they're interested in, which I guarantee you is probably not necessarily their job. It might be something that pertains to their job, but once you get past the whole, you know, what do you do and how much money you make, you'll find really interesting topics to talk about. Because there's always similarities. There's always things that we have in common, and finding ways to find those things you have in common is so much more important than finding ways to distinguish how you're separate from somebody else. Exactly. Absolutely. Well said. Um, She also said, and I love this one, life is a game and you need to play it. (laughs) Yes. That's the truth. It's a game. But most people don't play their life. Uh -uh. Right? They exist through it. They sit on the bleachers and they let other people make their decisions for them. They don't actively participate. Yep. And then they complain because life just doesn't go their way, even though they don't do anything to make life go their own way. Absolutely, 100%. And that's one of the things I got to tell you I hear from most people. I am judging you folks right now. I mean, but it is. It's (laughs) one of those things that you hear from most people. You know, nothing is going my way. Well, that's because you're not allowing it to go your way. I'm not, some things are just out of your control, obviously, but most things are not. But nobody's responsible for living your life other than you. You're responsible for living your life. So get into the game, play it. And you know you're going to fail at it. Oh, absolutely. You You are going to fail. You're not going to fail if you don't play. So you are going to fail. But the good thing is, you're also going to succeed. Yes. But it's about going and learning and living. Yeah, and you're going to fail a lot more than you're you're going to succeed. I guarantee you of that. We but, all have. Yeah. Regardless of how successful someone appears, we've all failed more than we succeeded. But you can't you can't succeed without the failure. No. So, you know. So get in there, play that game, folks. That's right. It's about living life, not just existing through it. So another one that she said, and I got to tell you, I think it makes perfect sense. It says that Jesus said, love one another. He didn't say, love the whole world. Again, you're not going to change the world. Yeah. It's not your job to change the world. It's your job to honor, respect that person that in the place on the planet they have right in front of you mm-hmm. and make a difference right where you are, right, right. with us, she said, right with the person next to you. It's the only thing you can do, number one. It's the only thing that you're responsible to do. Right. You're and not responsible to change the world. But in that small part, you will eventually change. Your ripple right. will start to change the world. Because Your ripple and a saying. million other ripples. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, it's, uh, you can't... You can't take that on. It's yeah. too big. Yeah, I had never heard this one before. I had never heard that she said this, and I thought this was really, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's true. He didn't say, go out and change the world. No, he said, just love one another. <laughs> and and the rest will work itself out. Yeah. The rest will work itself out. Because you're, you're going to love that person. That person is going to love somebody else. That person is going to... Exactly. It is the <laughs> exactly. chain. Another one that she said is, this, she said, I'm not exactly sure what heaven will be like, but I know that when I die and when it comes time for God to judge me, he will not ask, how many good things have you done in your life? Rather, he will ask, how much love did you put into what you did? Hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And remember, you know, your work can, if you don't love what you do, uh, as you're going to be like, slavery. like slavery. So how much love did you put into what you did? And that's work, home, everything that you do. How much love, how much compassion, how much empathy, how much giving and of yourself do you do in everything that you do? I, I don't think that there's anything yeah. wrong with that. I mean, again, if you're always thinking that you're meant for great things, 
then do great things right where you're at. Right, exactly. Because another one she said right on that is, it's easy to love people that are far away. It's not always easy to love those close to us. It is easier to give a cup of rice to relieve hunger than to relieve the loneliness and pain of someone unloved in our own home. Bring love into your home, for this is where our love for each other must start. Right. And I know that's hard. I really do. It's not like I'm sitting over here telling everybody out there, just do it. Right. I, I well, you, you, what is the, you hurt the ones you love? Yep. Right? I mean, we know that's Because true. they're the ones that can annoy you the most and the fastest. So, <laughs> right. you know. That's true. So, that's yeah. True. I mean, practice, practice it. it. Practice it. Practice it. That's all I can tell you is just keep at it. It's hard, but keep at it. And the last one, again, this is not necessarily a positive one, but this <laughs> is, uh, she said, and I quote, Where is my faith? Even deep down, right in there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain. I have no faith. I dare utter the words and thoughts that crowd in my heart and make me suffer untold agony. Mm. Now, if a woman who is the most ad- one of the most admired people of the 20th century, one of the most amazing people to walk the planet that changed the world and how we see it, she can have these days... Man, I can have these days. Yes, you can. You can have these days. Know that we are all going to have days of doubt, and that is normal. It's a dark hallway that we talk about. You get through it. You you do whatever you have to. You have friends. You have family. You have symbols. All these things that we talk about all the time. Get through the darkness of whatever that is and know that that is normal. That that's okay. You don't need to beat yourself up because you had a bad day. Right. Mother Teresa had a bad day and she was a, she's now a saint and she had a bad day. Right. And it just goes to being human. Mother Teresa can show us we're human. That's oh, sure. the point. Yeah, yeah. Feel unfortunately sometimes more human than she was. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, really you got to you got to accept that and know that and be okay that you're going to have bad times, that you're going to have doubts. Sure. You're going to question God. You're going to be mad at God. And just know that that is human. That is perfectly okay because that, but you got to work towards getting yourself out of that. Right. You know, it's okay to hang out there. Don't build a house there. Right. Well, we did a show, Pray for Understanding, with Othello Bach. That's a great show if this is something that you struggle with because that whole Pray for Understanding is a great place to start. Absolutely. Well, and I got to tell you, these are some really fascinating quotes that Mother Teresa gave us, and I think that they are words to live by and to strive to get to. So if you're out there and you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with, I think that listening to this show or grabbing the book, getting some quotes and pinning them up might help you get through some of the things that you want to get through. Well, Christy, do you have any final thoughts for us today on this show? When Mother Teresa was asked to characterize her life, um, what she said was, My blood, I am Albanian. By citizenship, I'm Indian. By faith, I'm a Catholic nun. As to my calling, I belong to the world. And as to my heart, I belong entirely to the heart of Jesus. Yes, she was absolutely incredible. She belonged to everyone. She belonged to no one. And she knew that. But that's the truth of all of us. Are we our family? Sure. Are we our job? Sure. Are we our sexual orientation? Sure. Are we Americans? Sure. Are we black? Are we white? Are we Indian? Are we this? Absolutely. Are we all of those things? Yes, we are. Are we none of those things? Yes, we're none of those things either. So accepting that you are who you are and accepting who you are, I think, is is really important. And I think she is just such a tremendous example 
of that. To just follow her example, you know, and living a life that shows compassion and empathy, it's not that hard, you know? It's not that easy, but it's really not that hard either. So I'm going to end with one of my favorite of her last sayings that I think is really important and really relates to living a life on purpose. She said, I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I look at the individual. I can love only one person at a time. I can feed only one person at a time. Just one, one, one. You get closer to Christ by becoming closer to each other. And Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do to me. So you begin. I begin. I picked up one person. Maybe if I didn't pick up that one person, I wouldn't have picked up 42,000. All of my work is only a drop in the ocean. But if I didn't put a drop in the ocean, the ocean would be one drop less. Same thing for you. Same thing for your family. Same thing in your church where you go. You just begin one and one and one. So I, Christy Stewart, sit here and I ask, what is your drop in the ocean? You know, we all have God-given strengths that are our drops. What do you share with the world? Do you share a smile? What love do you send out into the world? Do you even want to do that? I guess is a first question. With those people that you interact every day, as Mother Teresa said, the people that are nearest to you, those strangers that you come in contact that you're never going to see again, do you hold a place that makes a difference? If you say yes, that's amazing and keep dropping into the ocean. (laughs) But even if it's hard and even to those around you that don't support you, do what you believe to be your truth. It's your responsibility to your maker, I believe, to use your strengths to add a drop every day into the ocean of your own life. And if you don't think you're adding a drop, start right now. Making a difference in our world is one choice away. If not now, when? So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living On Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast or look us up on Facebook and give us a like and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.